Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Tuesday, March the 12th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, free agency is underway. Buku bucks being spent all around the league while the Dolphins sit on the sideline. We'll talk about the ramifications of Monday's madness, the Dolphins' plan coming into focus, the quarterback they are likely to pursue, and we'll all have a good laugh at the New York Jets. That and a whole lot more, but really quickly, Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We are the number one blog in the entire Locked On Network. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On NFL Draft podcast for all the off-season coverage needs from around the National Football League. As we do every day, we have a busy show, but today, especially with news all around the league, let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. Do not adjust your speakers. That is live audio recording from the Dolphins facility in Davie. Not a lot happening on day one of the legal tampering period, which is a weird phrase in and of itself. But nonetheless, the Dolphins sitting on the sideline for day number one as big time money spent all over the league, particularly in Detroit and for the New York Jets. The Kansas City Chiefs got in on the action late in the day. Money all over the place in the NFL during free agency. And I kicked around two separate approaches the last couple of weeks here on the podcast. One of them was where Miami were aggressive and filling the holes on this roster. And another one was where they sat out the first wave of free agency. And just about 24 hours into the legal tampering period, I think we now have our answer. As of 6 o'clock out here on the West Coast, the Dolphins have not announced any free agent signings. I will update the podcast at the end of the show later in the evening just in case the Dolphins do make a move for you guys. So we'll have you up to date on this podcast by the time you drive into work on Tuesday morning. But what does this approach mean for the Dolphins in regards to their roster building, not only for 2019, but heading into 2020? I think what this approach might be is trying to just kind of keep the guys on the roster that maybe aren't in the long-term plans, but you keep them around because you do have to field a roster for the 2019 season, even if you're not approaching it with any inspiration or aspirations rather of trying to win a championship. But maybe you keep guys like Kiko Alonso and TJ McDonald, maybe even Akeem Spence, or for that matter, Devontae Parker on a cheap contract. Who knows? But you do that, you keep those guys, which means you don't have to go out and spend money on new free agent contracts, which keeps the compensatory picks from possibly Cameron Wake and possibly Jawan James in your back pocket and puts you in a position to go up in the draft with extra picks in the 2020 draft class. I think we can also expect them to be active trading down on draft day because, well, frankly... They're going to need bodies to fill out this roster. And of course, again, to acquire more ammunition for that 2020 draft class when the quarterback should be more readily available for this Dolphins team. 
But the big news of the day for the Dolphins was an introductory press conference for tight end Dwayne Allen, which in and of itself tells you Miami's intentions this period of the offseason. There wasn't really a lot to take away from the presser. He talked about the culture and how to instill the mentality and work ethic and practice habits this particular coaching staff wants. It was really a big nothing burger, as you'd expect, because what do you expect from a tight end that really essentially is just a sixth offensive lineman? Now, the big news on the day for the Dolphins was what happened around the league and how some of those moves might impact what we see the Dolphins do this year and going forward. Let's go ahead and start off in Buffalo. The Bills do take Frank Gore, our starting running back from last season, and pay him one year, two million bucks. That's half of what the Dolphins paid him last year. And now the Bills' combined running back age between LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore is 67 years old, which I think is worth a laugh in itself. They also signed Mitch Morse to a contract worth $11 million per year. That makes him the highest paid center in the National Football League. And he lost his starting job last year to injury because Austin Ritter in Kansas City outperformed Morse on the field. I did have Morse as a target for the Dolphins because he was drafted by Marvin Allen, who is now in the Dolphins front office. But at $11 million per year, that's why you don't spend money on this first day of free agency. Crazy, crazy money. They didn't stop there. They gave tight end Tyler Croft three years for $21 bucks. Just insane money for a tight end who's good. I like Tyler Croft, but let's not get crazy here. The Jets themselves were also busy in a comical way. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the Jets fans right now are stoked on this new season, and nothing they can possibly do worries me at all. Then again, it's not like the Dolphins will have a whole lot to play for outside of development this upcoming season, but Gaze and company were busy as hell in New York as Mike McCagney tries to save his job and Adam Gaze tries not to go one and done up there in Jersey. They signed receiver Jamison Crowder. He's a slot receiver only to three years, $28 million after they just extended Quincy Anunwa, another guy who plays exclusively in the slot. <laughs> And then they come back and sign Josh Bellamy because, hey, you know what? They knew him in Chicago between Adam Gase and Dow Loggins. Gotta have those connections. Wow! <laughs> oh, the Jets are the gift that keeps on giving. But they did also trade for Kelechi Osimile on Sunday. And that's a move I can't really laugh at because he's a very, very good offensive guard. And his play did decline in 2018. He did miss five games. It's a big gamble as they committed 11 and $12 million per year over the next two years to a guy that will be 30 years old on opening day coming off an injury-riddled season. So while the Patriots are over here gaming the system and making all these right moves, which we'll talk about here next in the podcast, and the Jets and Bills are out spending crazy money on average players, it sounds like the Jets and Bills are kind of taking the Dolphins' old approach while Miami is sitting back and rebuilding this thing. You hope the right way. Obviously, you can't really say too much about that because we don't know what their moves will be in this year's draft, next year's free agency, next year's draft. Whatever it is, they have to hit on their picks for any of this to matter, but at least for once, they're not the ones out there spending crazy money on mediocre level talent that left their original team because they weren't wanted anymore. And we've seen Miami win this part of the offseason, whether it was Mike Wallace, whether it was Brandon Albert and Dominican Sue, the Donnell Ellerby and Philip Wheeler swap last year going after Albert Wilson, which he worked out. And then Danny Amendola, that redundant move at the slot receiver position, the one that Adam Gaze just did in New York. It's so nice and refreshing to see the Dolphins sitting back and not making these moves like other teams are 
the middling teams of the NFL, the Detroit Lions, the Washington Redskins, the New York Jets, all these crappy teams spending big money thinking it's going to help them become contenders. Well, I've got news for you. It's not. All right, we've got more news from around the league and how it impacts Miami to get to. We'll jump into that next. Plus, have the Dolphins zeroed in on the quarterback to bridge the gap. We've got a busy show smack dab in the middle of free agency week one. More next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. So Jalen Ramsey, we all know him for his loud mouth and elite lockdown corner skills in Jacksonville. Well, he had something to say about the Landon Collins deal, which we'll touch on that here in just a minute. But he made a comment about paying a box safety and getting outside cornerback money for Landon Collins, who signed a six-year, $84 million deal with the Washington Redskins, and how maybe it's time to start paying the real ballers. And the big news off of that for the Dolphins is that Xavier Howard on Twitter replied with a yes, sir, on Twitter. So... We knew this already, but Xavier Howard is going to be very, very expensive. Every year this time, we see these crazy contracts that get signed out and handed out to mediocre players. Well, Xavier Howard's looking at this saying, look, if I get to the market, I'm going to get $20 million a year. So the Dolphins, you better come pony up to the table quickly and make it happen now. Because if I hit free agency, you're never going to see me again. And you know who else will be expensive? Laramie Tunzel and Jawan James. Trent Brown gets a four-year, $66 million contract with 37 of that guaranteed. And Tom Pelissero on the NFL Network reports that Jawan James is likely next on the offensive line dominoes, and he might become the highest paid right tackle in all of football, higher than Lane Johnson at $12 million annually. So I think it's time to say goodbye to Jawan James because you're not going to be able to afford that contract and pay Laramie Tunzel what he is likely to get when he comes up in a couple of years. Remember, the Dolphins have Tunzel under control for this season. They can fifth-year option him for 2020, and then the franchise tag is an option there as well. But when he comes up for free agency, he's going to probably be able to ask for 18 to $20 million per year, but he is worth that. I like Jawan James, but he is not worth being paid the top-right tackle salary in all of football. So you can let James walk and collect that third round compensatory pick, which is a good segue into this next topic regarding the other takeaway from that story is the way the Patriots continue to just game the system year in and year out. It's clockwork for those guys. They traded pick 95 in last year's draft to go back to 143. So a 48 pick slide in the middle of the draft in rounds three and four to get Trent Brown, who was okay. He's not great by any stretch. In fact, PFF graded him as the 32nd best offensive tackle in the NFL in 2018. But now, because the Raiders went crazy on the contract, the Patriots will get a third round comp pick just by gaming the system. It's unreal the way they do this. And not only that, They'll get another third rounder because Trey Flowers, who we all know was heavily rumored to be favored to go to Miami, according to Tony Pauline of the NFL Network, I believe is where he's at. But he signs a deal, Trey Flowers does, with the Detroit Lions over five years that pays him $18 million a year. I had him at $15 million per year, and even that was a bit much for me as far as what he was worth. But that's just way too high, so good on the Dolphins for sitting out on that massive contract. And as a result, 
the Patriots get two third-round comp picks and now have last year's first-round draft pick, Isaiah Wynn, ready to step in at left tackle, and Michael Bennett comes in, ready to replace Trey Flowers on the defensive end position. And it only cost them a fifth and seventh rounder to make that Michael Bennett trade and no penalties against the comp formula. And the reason I talk about this on the Locked On Dolphins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, I know this isn't a Patriots show. I know it's not a Bills or Jets show, but all this stuff relates back to the Dolphins. And I think this Patriots model, this Patriots approach, as we have guys in the front office, on the coaching staff, on the roster that have kind of that Patriot way about them, I think that might be the approach of the Dolphins here. Again, I'll reiterate, if they don't hit on draft picks and make the right decisions, none of it matters, but the process at least is smart in thinking that. And you'll recall an article that I wrote a couple weeks ago about Miami potentially having a boring approach to this offseason. Well, this is it. They're going to get a third round comp pick for James when he inevitably signs somewhere else. And they'll likely get a fourth or fifth round comp pick when Cam Wake signs somewhere else, which I hope he finds a team he can win a championship with. Keep an eye out on LockdownDolphins.com for a farewell piece to the biggest legend of the last really this century for the Miami Dolphins in Cam Wake. Again, they're going to have to get ammo to go up and get their quarterback, which is really where the comp pick idea factors in for Wake and James and whoever else they lose and whoever they decide not to sign outside of guys that were cut previously or maybe even trades, which I expect the Dolphins to explore that coming up from now up until the draft and we'll see what happens with players they're going to cut. We'll have a lot of names to get to on the podcast this week, I'm sure. And we're going to come back on the other side and talk about the quarterback position in Miami. But real quick, I want to get you guys updated on some other signings that happened around the league. We have some quarterback news to talk about, but we'll save that for the final segment. But I want to go over some of the other signings around the league. If you did not know this already, I believe it was over the weekend. Carlos Hyde signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. He'll go there and back up Damian Williams, our former Dolphin. At receiver, Adam Humphreys signs with the Tennessee Titans. He goes there from Tampa Bay. The Lions' big spending did not stop at Trey Flowers or Danny Amendola. They go out and get tight end Jesse James from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And as it pertains to Juwan James at the right tackle market, the Bengals re-signed Bobby Hart right tackle to a three-year deal worth over $21 million. He's not even a good player, so that kind of tells you where the market falls in that regard. On the defensive line, Dante Fowler re-signed with the Los Angeles Rams. That was over the weekend as well. Moving over to the linebackers, and I know a lot of folks have pointed to Anthony Barr as a possible option, but when you saw Quan Alexander's contract with the 49ers, you can pretty much kiss that idea goodbye. Alexander gets four years, $54 million from John Lynch and the 49ers, which is crazy to me, but good for them, I guess. I think John Lynch is going down with that ship as things have not gone well there for the Niners in San Francisco. In the secondary, the Bills also signed the Texans, or former Texan, I should say, Kevin Johnson. He was a former first-round pick and a guy that I think some Dolphins fans had asked me about, so he is now gone to the Bills. And lastly, at safety, we talked about Landon Collins' insane contract. He lands with the Redskins, six years, $84 million. Eric Weddle over the weekend, two years, $12.5 million with the Los Angeles Chargers. Good for him to get to go home. Kenny Vaccaro, if you guys recall, played for the Titans last year, coming over from the Saints, and he had a visit with the Dolphins, and we thought they were going to sign him, but once they drafted Minka Fitzpatrick, that made Vaccaro kind of redundant. He gets a one-year deal for the Titans last year after they lost 
lost their starting safety. I want to say it was Jonathan Cyprian. He goes there on a four-year, $26 million contract to the Titans to get re-upped there. And lastly, it sounds like Tyron Matthew will sign with the Kansas City Chiefs at $14 million for one year. He's playing the gun-for-hire role there, going to Houston last year, and now over to Kansas City trying to get a championship with the Kansas City Chiefs. But that's about it for now. We're going to come back and talk about quarterbacks on the next side of the podcast and get you the rest of the updates from day number one of free agency in the National Football League. We'll do that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Talked about Danny Amendola going to the Detroit Lions for one year, $4.5 million with a chance for him to go up to $5.7 million. So he recoups the money he lost by being cut by the Dolphins. He lands back with another former Patriot and Matt Patricia in Detroit. And as far as the quarterback market goes, we have some movement as the Jaguars, I think, might have been bidding against themselves as we all knew they were going to sign Nick Foles anyway. But I don't think the market for Nick Foles really dictated this mega contract they gave him, which they did. $88 million over four years with $50 million guaranteed in that contract. So he's the guy for the next couple of years for sure in Jacksonville, which means they hop off the quarterback carousel right now as well as for next year. And where does that leave Miami? Because really the market is barren at this point, especially if you take away Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins in the draft. Pretty much leaves us with Blake Bortles, Teddy Bridgewater, but I think most likely, and this was reported on Sunday night, that the Dolphins will pursue Tyrod Taylor as there is mutual interest between the two parties involved in that potential marriage. And Jim Caldwell coached Taylor in Baltimore. We know that Flores likes a mobile quarterback, so it does seem to make sense in that regard, but the money is where the real issue comes because... What are they going to agree on as far as starting caliber money? Because he comes to Miami and that's what he is. He's the starting quarterback, but maybe you can position it in a way and sell it to Taylor and his agent that this is really the only chance he has to revive his career and the Dolphins can kind of leverage that against him for a small contract and tell him that you're not going to get a chance to start or be the clear-cut starter alone on a team like you will with Miami, which, frankly, I hope they don't budge on that idea because, really, Tyrod Taylor just isn't that good of a quarterback. Now, if you guys have followed me for a while now, you know that I used to run a website that was my creation, 3rdand10.com, where I went through and scouted quarterbacks every single throw graded those throws, made a bunch of GIFs. The website now is down because I don't have time to keep up on it and didn't want to pay domain costs anymore. But I did save all the Word documents and videos. And so I have my entire scouting report from all 29 quarterbacks graded from the 2016 season. And I ranked Tyrod Taylor out of those 29 quarterbacks, 21st in the NFL. And this was the report that I had on Taylor for the 2016 season after watching every single throw. It starts, if the Buffalo Bills were a college team and Tyrod Taylor were a draft-eligible prospect, my note would be that he needs to change positions. The only threatening part of the nifty quarterback's game is his scramble ability. In that regard, he's dangerous fleeing either side of the pocket and is a threat to take it the distance from anywhere on the field with his legs, but that's where the praise stops. Taylor's field vision is among the worst of the 29 quarterbacks I looked at in 2016. Towards the end of the season, Sammy Watkins' effort level was teetering on the line of who gives a damn and what's the point. 
The Bills try to cut the field in half with one read options and the freedom to run when the read is not there. Still, the backside of the formation is almost always neglected and multiple chunk plays are left on the field every single game as a result. His throwing motion is as unique as his style of quarterback with that Michael Vick style wrist flick as it creates terrific trajectory on throws down the field and gives the receiver an opportunity to adjust on the fly. This strength, however, is rarely in use as the NFL is played mostly short of the sticks within 10 yards. It's difficult to get much worse than Taylor by NFL standards on these throws. Buffalo pass catchers often have to break down and brace for a throw nowhere near their intended target and completely off their body. Even the most routine routes are a struggle for Taylor as he misses layup after layup. He won't kill you with turnovers, but that's because he's more prone to tuck it and run or miss the receiver and defender altogether. There's no anticipation built into the offense as Taylor has a great deal of difficulty coming off his reads. His poor decisions extend into the running game where he often keeps the ball on zone read or option plays where the end has collapsed the edge and Taylor will keep it and slide down for a loss or no gain after the poor read. The Bills try to limit his exposure, taking him off the field for brief EJ Manuel cameos or Wildcat direct snaps to LaShawn McCoy or Mike Gillisley. Even his strengths have pitfalls. His scrambling nature leads to some, some insurmountable losses on huge sacks, and his deep ball prowess is hindered by his inability to see coverage opening up down the field. The second Taylor loses any modicum of a running threat, he is done in the league. But I guess he would just be a bridge quarterback, so I suppose we cannot complain too much. I do expect that deal to get done at some point. I really hope it's in the 5 to $6 million range. That might be hopeful, but I hope the Dolphins do not budge on that price point and tell him he can only really start in Miami. This is your last chance to revive your career as a starter in the NFL. And the Dolphins do have more cuts to make. We'll keep you guys updated on that throughout this week. And we'll go over more of the signings around the league on tomorrow's show and how they could impact the Finns. And before we sign off, it is 6.30 on Monday night out here on the West Coast, and we just got news that Anthony Barr will sign with the New York Jets. He had 13.5 sacks in his five years with the Vikings, so the Jets do intend to use him more as a pass rusher. That's not what he did in Minnesota, but that's their idea and thinking there. But as for my time on today's show, that's going to do it for me. If you guys have a smart speaker, you can play Locked On Dolphins podcast in your car, in your kitchen, wherever at in your house. Just say play Locked On Dolphins podcast pull it up right quick. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for day two of free agency on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. Yeah.